Father God, we thank you for Jesus. God, each week we praise you for sending your son to the earth or to redeem it, to give us a way, Father, to be made right with you. Lord, thank you that now we can claim the righteousness of Christ. We put our faith and our trust in Jesus. Lord, thank you that you no longer see our sin, but you see his righteousness and his holiness. And God, we praise you for that. Lord, work in our hearts this morning through the teaching of your word. Lord, move in our hearts that we would be changed. God, thank you that you love us. Thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. What a great time of worship. Kids, third grade and under are dismissed to class. I asked Emily to leave this up here because in the first service, I noticed this during worship, a Hot Wheels car, and I'm like, what says family friendly better than that? I mean, you should see these wonderful moms serving the Lord all throughout the church and doing what they can to get the job done. They bring everything they can while they're up here worshiping and practicing. The kids are out here playing, and that's just a great token of our family-friendly church. So how's everybody doing this summer? Yeah, y'all going to have to be interactive. This is a teachy lesson, and I'm not going to watch y'all fall asleep because I might fall asleep with you. So you're going to interact a lot today. Summer's almost over. Uh, we, we try not to talk about that too much in the house because it gets sad, but, but it's almost over. Let's just face the reality. But uh, I'm excited that we're uh, wrapping up, or we're, we're about halfway through our summer series. We normally are working verse by verse through books of the Bible, but this summer, we, we paused and did a little more topical study on the Bible itself. We've, we've seen all the attributes of the Bible, and now we're looking at the story of the Bible. But just as a way of review, the first uh, message that we looked at the Bible talked about how we got the Bible and the confidence that we have that it actually is the Word of God. And so these are foundational studies that I encourage you to go on our website and you can see these, uh, if you've missed one because of the travel for vacation or whatever, go watch and just take notes and let this be something that really helps you fall in love again with the Word of God and gain confidence with the Word of God. The, the letter scan or the word scan is used uh, to remind us of the attributes of the Word of God, S-C-A-N. S stands for sufficiency. The Word of God is sufficient. Uh, you don't have to search the world over and look for books all over the planet to figure out what God has said to you, what he expects of you, and how to be saved. It's in the Bible. So the Bible is sufficient for your needs. So you don't so so focus on the Bible. C is clarity. We, so we saw there the Bible itself says that you can understand it, so much so that you are expected to teach it to the next generation, children after children. So you can understand it, you can do this. Don't be intimidated by the Word of God. A is authority. It's God's Word, therefore it carries God's authority in our lives. N is necessity, that we need the Bible because the Bible is God's chosen way of revealing to us salvation and the way to have godliness, how to be faithful with Him. So remember those attributes of the Word of God as we begin today to look at the major big picture story of the Bible. How many of you have this printout in your hands of the covenants that are out there? Is Kevin, oh, are you ready? Are you ready? All right, y'all come forward. Kevin, or Caitlin, are you helping? All right, y'all come to the forward and work your way back like old-fashioned offering takers. Uh, they have these 
uh, sheets of paper. We're going classroom style today. So if you need one, raise your hand, and they will hand it out. They're going to hand you out. We're going to fill these blanks in in the service. Look, Diane's proud of herself. She wants gold star. She's like, I have one. I went online and got one. You know, that's called pride, Dan. Diane. Come on up here. We're going to talk about the sin of pride today. No, I'm just kidding, Diane. I'm just kidding. You, you don't have pride. Well, you probably do. We all do, though. You know what? It's okay. <laughs> so we're going to work through these blanks, filling out. Uh, this will be a great resource for you. Just Fold it up when you're done today, put it in your Bible, and bring it each week because we're going to work through these covenants of the Bible over the next four weeks, and uh, this will help you study your Bible. This will help you read your Bible. We want to be good readers of the Word of God, and so this is why we're doing this. We're equipping you to know how to read the Bible and to read it well so that you can understand it. Can you imagine us reading any other book the way we read the Bible. I mean, imagine uh, you went and you picked up um, a book from the bookstore, and how do we read the Bible? Imagine if you went and got um, same kind of different as me. I got that for my daughter this weekend. It's a great little book. And uh, imagine if she said, oh, thanks, Dad, this is a great book, and she opened it right here and just read a paragraph, and then said, oh, that's interesting, and then put it down. I mean, who reads a book that way? And we don't read books that way. This is a book that God gave us, and books are put together a certain way. And I want you to learn, if nothing else, that this book is just like, not, not the same, but it's similar to every other book. It's put together in the form of a book, and it's meant to be read like a book. And so books have storylines. Any good book has a storyline that is told throughout the book. The Bible has a storyline. So I'm going to give you the storyline. Now, my wife and I drove five hours down to the Houston area to see our daughter at Pine Cove Camp. She's a counselor, and we drove five hours back. So when you're doing that on Saturday, you get a lot of stuff. And so I asked Dana, so I tested her knowledge of this. I said, Dana, what would you say is a storyline of the Bible? And I, got, I just felt this look like, really? Like, really, we're going to do this? And she nailed it. I mean, she nailed it. Is David Ham in here? He, he's going to be back, I know. But David Ham, uh, I, I asked Dana, I said, how did you know this? Where did you get this? She's like, I think it was in David Ham's class that he taught. I said, good. So David Ham, one person, know, I know at least, listen, uh, in your class. Here's the story of the Bible. God, oh, the story of the Bible is, and Dana told me I need to write in there, true story. The Bible is the true story of God redeeming and restoring his people and his planet. Now, that's this phrase that I'm using because it's memorable. God is redeeming and restoring his people and his planet. I might change that to God is redeeming. Whoa, whoa, back up, Frank. You're giving all my answers away. Redeeming and restoring his people and his paradise. That works too. We'll see in, in the Bible. God is redeeming and restoring his people and his planet. That's the storyline of the Bible. No matter where you are in the Bible, if you're in the dead center, you should have in mind, this is a story about God redeeming and restoring his people and his planet. Uh, at the end, you will see the very last book of the Bible is the finished product when God will have finished uh, redeeming and restoring his people and his planet. It will be paradise again. And so we're going to study the, the covenants of the Bible today and the next three weeks after today because the framework of the story are these six covenants. There are six 
major covenants in the Bible. Now, people fit the story of the Bible together with different schemes, if you will. They can do kingdom schemes, or they can do theological covenants. They can do all that. Well, these aren't theological covenants. These are biblical covenants. They're actually covenants that are in the text themselves. And so I think this is the most Not that those other ways are bad, but I think this is the most biblical way to think about the Bible because it rises up from the text itself. So as you're reading the story of the Bible, you're going to find God interacted with six people. He entered into covenant, six major covenants. And these covenants are very important to understand because then once you have these kind of in your mind, they become anchors in the story. He enters in with covenant. Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, and Jesus brings the new covenant. And so I'm going to give you one word for each of these covenants. And these are not magical. It's just a way that I thought might be helpful for you to find these uh, covenants helpful as they relate to the big picture story. First of all, the covenant with Adam, we call that the Adamic covenant. And that, that gives us uh, the picture of redemption and restoration. That's the first blank, the picture of redemption and restoration. We'll see today over and over that what was with Adam was lost, but God is restoring it. It could also be called paradise, but it's a picture of God's redemption and restoration. In the Noahic covenant, what's the sign? Do we have any kids in here? What's the sign of God's covenant with Noah? Anybody want to guess that? What is it? The rainbow, right. Every time I read that, I want to say bow, but it's not. It's bow. I like that. He put the bow in the sky. I'm like, oh, please don't do that in church. That would be embarrassing. It is a bow. You're right. The bow in the sky. And we're going to see that that bow goes from one end of the earth to the other. It gives us the scope, the scope of redemption and restoration. In other words, what all is included in redemption and restoration? We're going to see it's not just his people, but it's also his planet. It's paradise. It's all of creation. That's the scope. In the Abrahamic covenant, we see the source, the source of redemption and revelation. And that means that the Redeemer is going to come from the family of Abraham. He will be the son of Abraham. In Moses, the Mosaic covenant, we're going to see the problem. And that's the way I've chosen to word this one. The problem of redemption and, re- and, and restoration. In other words, the Mosaic Covenant fails, not because God failed, but because the people failed because their hearts are bad. And so the problem is the heart. And we're going to see that Jesus fixes that problem. The Davidic Covenant, I'm calling it the hope. The hope of redemption and restoration. Now, why do I call it the hope? Well, because about mid-portion of your Bible, as a reader, you're going, wow, this is depressing. They just keep failing and failing and failing. And the people get exiled out of the land because they sin and disobey God. And, and it looks like all hope is lost. But then the prophets in your Bible, the prophets hold out hope. And guess what language they use? Their hope is Davidic language. They go to the Davidic covenant and say, no, all hope is not lost because God promised that that Redeemer will be the son of Abraham, but he'll also be a king. He'll be the son of King David. He'll come from the line of David. He'll be an eternal king, and he'll establish the eternal kingdom. And so from that point on, after the Davidic covenant, you're looking, who is it? Is it Solomon? Is it his son? And you're like, oh, maybe it is. And it's like, no, it's not him. But the prophets hold out the Davidic covenant as hope. God will finish what he started. And so that's the hope of redemption and restoration. And then finally, Jesus is the fulfillment. 
of redemption and restoration. Jesus shows up. He's the long-awaited promised redeemer. He is the one who will bring redemption and restoration. He's already begun it in his death on the cross, and then he promises he'll come again, and he'll finish. He will restore all that was lost because of sin. What will he restore? Just the people? No. In the Noahic, we see it's the people and the planet. He'll restore all things that were lost uh, because of sin. And so that's how the story fits together. Today, we're going to focus more intently on the first two covenants. And then next week, it'll be Abrahamic and Mosaic, right? And then the next week, it'll be Davidic. And then the next week will be the new. Now, the one that says Mosaic, oftentimes that's also referred to as the old covenant. You'll hear people say the old covenant. They're talking about the one with Moses. All right? So I want you to notice one thing before I get into the the covenant with Adam. Look at your piece of paper there. How many, what what, what book of the Bible is the um, covenant with Adam mainly coming from? Genesis. What book of the the Bible is the covenant with Noah mainly coming from? Y'all are so quiet. What book is the Bible? What book of the Bible is the covenant with Abraham primarily coming from? What book of the Bible do y'all make fun of me that I always talk about? No, it's Genesis. Yes, I'm always talking about Genesis, and y'all always make fun of me because I always go back to Genesis no matter what text I'm preaching. But that's why. Three of the six covenants are in Genesis. Now notice, where does the covenant with Moa? Where is Moa? That's your fault. Thank you very much. Mosaic covenant. That is with Exodus and Deuteronomy. So the Pentateuch, the first five books of your Bible, which are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, that is one book, actually. It's like a five-chapter book. It, it includes four of the six covenants of your Bible. And so what you see is the first few books of your Bible, about right there, make up Four of the six covenants. This is crucial to understanding this. If you just read the New Testament, how do you know what is going on? Everything that you know about Jesus and his teachings is built on the foundation of the first five books, the first four covenants. Jesus is fulfilling those covenants Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah who will restore what was lost with Adam. He will bring creation, recreation to all the earth as we see with Noah. He is the son of Abraham. He is the one who has a better covenant than Moses. He is the eternal king of God's kingdom who is a son of David. He brings a new covenant that is a better covenant because the covenant is based on his blood, his sacrifice. He's the great high priest who went into the presence of God and sacrificed himself on the altar, the eternal Lamb of God. All of that comes from understanding this. And so that's what we want to do. We want to help you understand the story of the Bible, the storyline, and the six major covenants that have a role throughout all of the Bible as you read it. So let me ask the Lord to help us this morning. Lord, please help me to be clear, help the message to be clear, help us to understand your covenant with Adam, your covenant with Noah, the storyline of the Bible, so that we not can be smart and, and show off our head knowledge, but so that we can be transformed as we read your word and we faithfully 
approach your scriptures. Lord, we want to be transformed because in this story we see you are filling this earth with your glory. And our understanding of ourself and our purpose is caught up in that, that we exist to bring you glory. And we do that as we study and understand your word. So Lord, help us this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's look first at the Adamic covenant. Uh, This is the first covenant in the Bible. Now, when we look at this, you'll see that we don't actually see the word covenant mentioned in this account with Adam, but we do see elements of covenant in this text. And we also know that in Hosea 6, verse 7, this covenant or this is referred to as a covenant. So we, we see this is the first covenant in the Bible. And I'm going to read uh, very quickly through some of what Jared already read for us in Genesis 1, 26 and following. This is where we see the covenant recorded. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let, him, let them have dominion over the fish, over the sea, over the birds, over the heaven, over the livestock, over all the earth and every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Everybody repeat that with me. Be fruitful and multiply. Purpose statement. And fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed and on the face of the earth. So God gives them everything. Then 2.15, the Lord God took man put him in the Garden of Eden to work it, keep it. And the Lord God commanded them, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely, what? Die. So there's so much in this passage. And we're going to study the book of Genesis this fall. We're going to study through the book. And we're going to spend a lot more time, hopefully slowing down and digging out this even more. But... What we see is that Adam bears the image of God. And so God created Adam in covenant relationship with God. God didn't have to go, hey, let's make a covenant. God created him in covenant relationship with God. And so all these little elements I'm going to highlight give us an, a picture of the ideal, a picture of God's perfect plan. This is what God desires. This is what God is restoring and redeeming us back to because it was lost as a result of the fall. And so what we see is Adam is in covenant relationship with God. He's in the presence of God. He's beholding the glory of God. And his very life is a reflection of that glory, like like a mirror reflecting God back to himself. And we see this is the very purpose of man, that we are to live in the presence of God, enjoying God and his blessings and reflecting his glory back to him. And we are given, Adam is given all of earth, all of creation, all of paradise. That the, the pinnacle creation was humanity and God said, here. And then he created this garden, this paradise, and he nestles them in the paradise and just lavishes them with blessing. And he says, now be fruitful 
have children, multiply, fill the earth with this scene, fill this glorious planet that I've created and I've given to you and fill it with my glory. Now, what does is, what is glorifying God look like? Some, some mean-spirited, legalistic duty? No, it's enjoying God. It's enjoying His blessings to His glory. It's, it's trusting Him. It's saying, I trust you enough to I'm going to obey you. And in this text, it's worded, do not eat of the tree of knowledge and good, of good and evil. Knowledge of good and evil. Wisdom. Do not seek wisdom from any other source. But trust that God is the God that we are introduced to in this text. At the beginning of a book, you are introduced to the main character. And here you see in the creation account, the main character is God. The God who's going to be the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The God who is going to be the Savior and Redeemer of the world is the same God who created. And it says he created this and he saw it was good. He created this and he saw it was good. And so we meet the main character of the story is God who creates. And he alone is the one who knows what is good for his creation. And he alone is the one who provides what is good for his creation. And all he says to his creation is, trust me. Just trust me. If you trust me, you will obey me. And what does the trust and obey look like? It looks like just enjoying God's creation, serving God in his presence, and bringing glory and honor to God, and in just enjoying the life that he has set before them. And not going outside for another source of wisdom. Do not eat of the tree. All of this is yours. But the one stipulation in the covenant was, trust me. Don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I know what's best for you. Don't think that you know what's best for you. Trust me. And the tempter, the serpent, comes along and says, really? And they sin. And instead of filling the earth with glory, filling the earth with children who worship God and enjoy Him to the fullest, and serve Him. Instead, what do we see the next children doing? Cain kills Abel. And that story is repeated and repeated. So in the covenant with Adam, we see God's picture of perfection, the picture of what His will is, the picture of what He is restoring. We see a picture of redemption and restoration of God's people and God's planet. They're God's people and it's God's planet. So already you can begin to see how this covenant with Adam begins to inform your understanding of the Bible. And So anytime you're reading in the Bible, you know that's what we're getting back to. That's what God's will is. And the theological themes... Are, I could spend a year in the theological themes that are grounded just in the first one, two, three chapters of Genesis. I could spend a year on Genesis 3.15 alone where God comes after this scene and you go, well, is it all lost? Is this end? Is it already over? Man, that didn't go well. In Genesis 3.15, God comes and he says, I'm going to send a seed of the woman And that seed of that woman will be the serpent slayer. He'll crush your head, serpent. But 
His heel will be bruised in the process. So this redeemer will be the one who crushes the tempter, though he will be wounded in the process. That's in 3.15. Are you ringing Jesus in your ears already? And so that's how the Bible works. In these early days, it sets up the foundations for the rest of the Bible. Not answering most of your questions, but raising questions that you then say, well, i got to keep on reading to hear the answers. And so as we continue to read, we get Genesis 4, Genesis 5, Genesis 6. And what we see, do we see glory filling the earth? Yes or no? Do we see glory filling the earth in Genesis 4 with Cain killing Abel 5 and 6? No. What does 6 say? Genesis chapter 6 uh, verse 5. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So what does God do? This is the story of God redeeming and restoring his people and his planet. So he says, reset. Let's start over. Because God is passionately committed to this plan. And so he sends a flood that cleanses the planet of wicked people. And he says, let's start over. And he graciously saves, redeems his people, Noah and his family. And they get off the ark of salvation. And in gratitude, they worship, they thank God and have an altar. And in response, God enters into covenant with them. And I wonder if you can pick out the language and see that it is exactly the language of Adam, the covenant with Adam, listen to 9.1. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with my glory. And so we see God is committed to restoring what we lost in the Adamic covenant. Skip down to verse 8 of chapter 9. Then God said, here's the The covenant God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. And with every living creature, here's the scope, not just the people, but also I am establishing my covenant with you and my planet, with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you, and never again shall all flesh be cut off by waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant. It is a bow, not a bow. He says, I will establish this bow for all future generations. I have set the bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And so here we see God determining the scope of redemption and restoration. God is saying, look, I am going to not only redeem my people, but I'm going to reestablish paradise. That should get you excited about the afterlife. He is saying, listen, paradise will be restored. When you see the rainbow in the sky, you tell your kids, God is going to restore this to paradise. 
He's going to redeem all that was affected by sin. When you read the creation account, you read the fall, you, you look at the narrative, the larger picture of what's going on in the creation and fall account. Before sin, it was paradise. Sin happened, and then it's thorns and thistles. And God's saying, I'm not just going to restore people, I'm going to restore paradise. And so we see the Adamic covenant provides a picture of redemption and restoration. And the Noahic covenant says it will not only be his people, but it will also be his planet or paradise, all of creation. So already in just nine chapters, we know the whole storyline of the Bible. But isn't that how a good book works? You know characters, the main characters. You know plots. You don't have the questions answered. You have the questions raised. Who is this serpent? Who's going to be the offspring of the woman who crushes the head of the serpent? What do you mean his heel is going to be bruised? How is he going to redeem and restore? How is, who is this God? What kind of God is he? What is he going to do? Does he have a people? How is he going to do this? And you read the Bible to understand this storyline as it unfolds. So I can't go into every detail and every part of the story, but hopefully you see already how these covenants are interconnected. You can see the themes being built upon themselves, and you can see God never abandoned his promise. God never is unfaithful. He is absolutely hardcore committed to his covenant promises. He will redeem paradise. It will be his people and his planet. He's going to do it. You can take it to the bank. So knowing the Adamic covenant helps you as you read the Noahic covenant. And it will be true as you go on throughout the Bible. So we see how this helps you read the Bible in some sense of knowing how the little parts fit together. But I want to end with just one big idea of how this helps you read the Bible. When you read the Bible, what you see is the storyline. Let's see if you can do it from memory. What's the storyline? The storyline is this God is... The Bible is the story of God doing what? Right? Let's try it again. God is redeeming and restoring his people and his planet. So when you read the Bible, the, the Bible is all about you. What's the main subject line in the storyline? The main subject is God. And so when you read the Bible... You don't treat it like a fortune cookie. You don't say, hmm, let me just flip this cracker open. Let me crack this cookie open and come up a little pithy saying that this is about me. It's not about you. It's about God. Now, this Bible is for you. It is to you. It will transform you, but it doesn't transform you. It doesn't radically alter the course of your life by making it all about you. It transforms you. It redeems you. It restores you. It gives you hope. It gives you meaning and purpose and fulfillment as you understand it is about God redeeming and restoring his people and his planet. And you finding yourself in that story. You trusting in the Redeemer. You getting to know the character of this God who is creator. He's creator. He's sustainer. He's providentially caring for the universe. After the flood, when he had that sacrificial blood altar 
offered on the altar, that is a, a crucial element to the order, to the chaos that God has woven into the fabric of our worlds, the need for blood. For without the mission of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That, that we see that our hope for the afterlife is in this Redeemer who is the son of Abraham, who is the son of David, who had a better covenant than, than Moses had. That you know what the afterlife is like. You start to have pictures of it. You, when you read uh, the Revelation, you're going back to the beginning in Genesis to see what is the eternal condition going to be like. You, you start to find your meaning and your purpose wrapped up in God's plans and purposes. Why do you exist to bring glory to God? What is the mission of your life? To spread his glory to the ends of the earth. All the story of God redeeming and restoring his people and his planet is for you. But it's not about you. This is not a horoscope. It's not a fortune cookie. You need to read it. As a story, you need to get to know the God of the story and get to know his character, his mission, his vision, his values, and his unbelievable, undeserved love for you. Are you reading the Bible like that? We want to help you. That's why we exist, to help you know the God of the Bible through his son, Jesus Christ. Spoiler alert, that's how it ends. Jesus fulfills all the covenants of the Bible. I hope that you'll join us this fall. We have a membership opportunity. We, we want you to join us as members. We're already recovening once again to, to join together in small groups to study this word. We're beginning a journey as a church, a three-year journey. The whole church is going to work through the whole Bible in three years together. We're going to do it in every way possible. We're going to get the word of God to you and help you understand it so you can be transformed by God as you read about him and how he's redeeming and restoring his people and his planet. And it's all through, through Jesus and to the glory of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you will uh, do this incredible work in us and through us as we get to know you and your story in the Bible. Lord, I pray that we will be faithful as a church to, to focus on your word and to, to know the story, to know who you are and what you're doing and bring glory and honor to Jesus in all that we say and do, Lord. I pray that as we sing this song, bringing, uh, expressing our words to you, our desires of our heart, Lord, I pray that you're brought much glory. And Lord, we ask that as we move into this fall season of recommitting as members of this church to be in community together. We pray to bring us many new members who want to study the Word of God and want to be transformed by the Word of God. I pray that you will make us a people for your glory as we focus on your Word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
praise you as the only name. There is no other name but Jesus that fulfills all the covenants of the Bible that will redeem. You alone will redeem and store your people and your paradise to yourself. We give you all praise and glory and honor. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Please be seated for one brief moment. First of all, guests, thanks so much for hanging out with us. We are honored to have you with us. We love you. Hope that you enjoyed your visit. We'll come back uh, to help you get connected, we ask you to fill out a guest card and place it in the offering plates. We'll follow up with that guest card through email or phone call, however you tell us on the card. Uh, there's a few things we want you to know about to help you get connected. All of this is on our website under Get Connected tab. So if you'll go on there, click on Get Connected, you can do two things. You can register for a connection group. Uh, which is coming up in the September. Before you know it, it'll be here. Uh, and that's just an awesome way for you to get to know a bunch of other guests and to learn all about our church, that I think you'll really find that worth uh, your time. It's, it's a great, great place to get connected. So go on, get connected, get connection group. And then you can also, there's a place for you to say, I would like to visit a community group. So go online, do that, and you can tell us you would like to get in a community group. We'll get you in there until you go to connection group. So it's a great way to go ahead and start getting folded in and getting to know people, and it'll culminate in that connection group. You'll join, and then we'll put you in a community group, and you can start learning the Word of God and being transformed, and uh, we'll be there for you as your church family, and you will bless us as well. Uh, as members of our church, you all, you all know this is sign-up season. Uh, it's time to go online and sign up for your community group if you have haven't done so already, 
time to sign up for your service team. And we've put out there uh, a checkbox to say, I've read and I'm signing that church covenant again. Because it's just a great time of covenant renewal, remembering what we're doing, why we're doing it, and what a blessing it is to have a community of faith to encourage you uh, in your walk with Christ. Uh, one really cool thing that's coming up that Jared and the student ministry is providing on July 31st. It's a parenting, uh, it's called Parent to Parent Conference. This is something new he's starting that will provide a, a place for parents of kids and students to, to come together, uh, have community together, kick ideas off each other, struggle together. Not that parenting is a struggle for any of us, but you know, we'll just celebrate all our successes together that I'm sure we're all having. Uh, but then Jared is putting a panel of three parents, the Googes, my, my wife and myself, and the Pearsons. I guess he's doesn't have a great choice, uh, but uh, you get what you pay for, right? Are you paying us? Absolutely not. So you get what you pay for uh, with us as your panel, but uh, what he's doing is giving us an opportunity to answer your questions, and he said there's going to be different topics on each one of these conferences, and he told me all the topics, and I said, yeah, I feel pretty good about that one and that one, but technology, no. He says, what are we doing first? Technology. I'm like, really? So we're going to tell you how hard it is to parent in an age of technology. So as parents, we'll kick around the ideas of how do, you, how do you deal with technology with your kids? How can you parent? What are the struggles? One of the biggest things, he's going to give you some resources. One of the biggest things he wants uh, to provide is community. He wants you to be able to have parents to say, let's, let's do this together. And that's what we're all about here is providing community to, to do this Christian, the, the Christian life together. And so we need each other. So if you are interested in parenting your kids in technology and, and the issues that come with that, then sign up, go online, and you can register uh, by t July 29th. Is that what I'm trying to read here? Yeah, so by July 29th, go online and register for that event, and I think you'll see it's well worth your time. All right, that's it. God bless you. Stand. Get to know the people next to you. Oh, wait, no, don't, don't stand. I've got something very important. Thank you all for the reminder. The hams. Come up here, hams. Yes, the empty mic. And the empty classroom, this is going to be a very sad occasion for us, but they are moving to Monroe against all of our uh, suggestions. They said pray about it, pray, you know, ask God's will. I'm just like, there's just some things I can't pray about. It's not God's will. It's obvious. But uh, we love y'all so much. And y'all are heading over to Monroe, and you are going to be of counsel. Is that the right way to word it? Counsel. He's going to be counsel with Century Tell. Link. Century Link now. And, uh, and, um, so I still remember the first day that y'all came. I tell this story all oh, the no. time. Yes, I remember the first day they came. Ashley walked up to me, and I thought, she's so sweet. She's going to say something nice about me. And she said, hey, I just want you to know I'm here for David Granger. Did not. She said that. Who says that? First time you meet the pastor, I just want you to know I'm here for David Granger. I don't even know who you are. I don't really care, but I'm here for David Granger. <laughs> She didn't quite say it that way. That's the way this guy took it because I'm probably a little too much about myself. But anyway, so uh, we love y'all to death. Teaching classes, you weren't in here when I bragged on you earlier, but Dana knew all the answers to the covenants. And I said, how did you know this? Is it from my teaching? She goes, no, David Hand's class. So I was like, see, someone was listening. All that good. <laughs> no, there was more. So we love y'all, and we thank you, Bliss and Tripp. Uh, we know that they are going to have a great, blessed life over there. I want to invite you to come and lay hands on them. Uh, I know that your parents are back here somewhere, and they will want to come. So if you would like to come lay hands on them, we're going to pray for them, because when we send someone off, we believe God has called them as missionaries to a new location. 
and they're going to invest wholeheartedly in that church just as they did here, and it leaves a gaping hole here that we're going to miss desperately. Uh, all your faithfulness. Thank you all so much, and, and you all know our friendship will extend to Monroe. It's not too far away. All right, y'all come up here, lay hands on them, and we will pray uh, God's blessings on them as, as they head out. Everybody's saying we're laying hands to keep y'all here. <laughs> Father God, we just just are so blessed to have had the hams with us for this long season, um, doing so much. I can't even begin to mention all the ways they have poured their lives uh, into this church family. And uh, Lord, it, it's it's sad humanly for us. It breaks our heart to to see our hearts be uh, spread apart over to another city. But we know. Uh, you are good, and you have a great plan for this, Lord. We ask your incredible blessings on them. I know that they will pour into that church family, and that church family will be extraordinarily blessed for it. And, Lord, I also know that you're going to pour into their family and that they're going to have all kinds of new, exciting, and different blessings, Lord. I pray that your hand will just be on them, and you will take whatever you've implanted in them from their time here and you will spread it over to Monroe in that area and beyond. Lord, make your name famous wherever they go. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we love you. Thank you. Have a blessed week in the Lord.